It's been a while. It has been a while. We took an extra week off for this case because it was a, it's a, it's a pretty rough one. It is, but we also had some vacation as well, so. Yeah. So what's new? <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> she just burped. <laughs> Don't edit that out. I'm sorry. Um. <laughs> She's drinking root beer zero. <laughs> frog in my throat. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, nothing much new. Just same old, same old. <laughs> so the other night, I decided I got in the mood to watch Scream Four. Right. Because you know I have a fondness for the Scream movies, <clears throat> and it'd been a while since I'd seen the fourth one, and the fifth one will be coming out in January. Right. Scream Five. Mm-hmm. Or actually, they're just calling it Scream. Really? Yeah. I hadn't read that. Yeah, it's just Scream. As so, in the original. Uh, yeah, as an original. But, um, yeah, the fourth one was really good. It was better than I remembered it being, mm-hmm. actually. And um, I'd listened to a podcast where they were talking about all the movies, and that kind of made me want to watch it just mm-hmm. to get ready for the fifth one that's coming out. But I- I'm trying to figure out what, what they're going to do for the fifth one. Right. I mean... I think it's set in Woodsboro, right? It, they go back to Woodsboro, and... I think it was Courtney Cox or Nev Campbell, one on Twitter, took a picture from set, and you could see Stu's house from the original in the background. Yeah, it seems like I remember that, seeing something about that, too. So, I mean, it's got to be, I don't know, people are saying that Matthew Lillard didn't die like a Stu, and he had to have died. I mean... He was stabbed how many times, and then he had a TV fall on him, and he was electrocuted. I mean... They said, you know, after the TV fell on his head, he went, oh. (laughs) He did. He did. Yeah. But I still think he was stabbed over repeatedly. Oh no! I saw something. Speaking of scream, I actually read an article yesterday that said that they purposely did not want Billy and Stu in that many scenes together. But I was thinking about. It, I was like, well, they were in quite a few. They were at the fountain. They were at the video store. They were at the house at the end, obviously. But I was like, this article makes no sense because they were in quite a few together. I guess when somebody was getting murdered, like the next scene could not have both of them in it. Maybe. Maybe that's what they're talking about. Maybe. Because one of them had to be doing it. Right. But, um, yeah, they're bringing back the original cast as far as um, Courtney Cox, David Arquette, and Nev Campbell. Right. And um, I heard, I don't know that uh, Hayden Panettiere, if she's going to be in it, because she was in the fourth one, and I actually really liked her character. She got stabbed pretty pretty rough in the fourth one, mm-hmm. but um, I don't know if she's going to be back. Archie, sit down. <laughs> <laughs> he had an itch. But, um... <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> we need a new space. <laughs> the refrigerator decided to make noise, too. But, um... Yeah, I don't know if she's coming back, but I heard that I don't I can't remember the actress's name that played Randy's sister in the third one. She's going to be in it too. Oh, oh, Heather Mutter. Yeah, I can't remember her last name. Yeah, but Mutter um, Rosa. but I mean, if they can figure out a way to bring back Stu, then they can figure out a way to bring back Randy. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is one thing I'll say about Scream too. Like, I actually started to get up and leave when Randy got killed. I was, I was pre- like, this is bullcrap. <laughs> I was like, I'm not watching anymore of this. How dare you? You can't kill Randy. He's the authority on horror movies. Yeah. Yeah. I still think it's crap. Honestly, I do. <sighs> yeah, that, I heard they got like death threats and everything over... Well, I wouldn't go that far. I don't know. I might have. <laughs> I mean, they may have gotten something from me, but you know. <laughs> no, but he he knew how to survive them. Mm-hmm. You know, he was the authority on... So it would have made more sense for him to not be sliced and diced. Yeah, and especially the way he went, too. I mean... Okay, are we supposed to believe... That, I was going to say that the exact same point, I think. Are we supposed to believe that Lori Metcalf killed Randy? That she jerked him into that van like that? With that kind of force. I mean, she's a small woman. Yeah. We're not talking about, you know, a profession, professional wrestler or anything. We're talking about... Jackie yeah. from Roseanne, <laughs> and she like jerks him in the van. I just—it was unbelievable. Yeah, it would have made more sense for Mickey to have done it. Yeah, but it was her because she talks about how she got knife happy with Randy. Yeah, yeah. so but yeah. But so you had that coming out in January, right? And then you—we've already got the trailer out for the new Halloween yeah. coming out. I, a lot of people are like, "Thanks for showing us the whole movie." <laughs> Show a whole lot. It shows a whole lot, and um, 
it, it's kind of surprising. It looks like it's going to be there's going to be a high body count. I read, and I don't know who if someone has insider information how they know this, because it said that basically the whole movie takes place with her in the hospital, and that she doesn't actually leave the hospital till the end of the movie. Really? And so that like the, second the third one. one will be that i don't know how they know that but that's what i read because somebody was like well this looks pretty good and they were like yeah but the whole thing takes place while she's in the hospital well i've also heard that in the scream movie the new scream movie there is a tie to the new halloween movie i heard that too because and it's, it'll probably be at the beginning i would assume if i was guessing i would assume it would be at the beginning because you know they always have the big kill at the beginning but both Halloween and Scream were shooting in North Carolina at the same time. Mm. So I don't know if that's why they were able to... Maybe some kids were extras on the movie or something like that. And that may be a tie to it. I don't know. But yeah. I'm interested to see how it turns out. So do you think um, do you think Sydney's going to be the big kill in the beginning of Scream? No, you talk about revolting when they <laughs> killed Randy. If they kill Sydney Prescott, because I love Neth Campbell. And if they kill Sydney Prescott... They they can't kill her. I mean, they really can't. If they were going to kill her, they should have done it in the third one, and that should have been it. They, she's she's the final girl. She's the original. You can't you can't kill the original. Well, I do remember when we went to see the third one, and you know the part where you thought she may really because I really thought I was like she really might be dead. Yeah, I was like he's going to get away with this. Like the air kind of went out of the theater. It was kind of like people kind of were like it really Holy happened. Crap. Yeah, yeah, but obviously she survived yeah but yeah i agree with you you can't have just some joe schmo kill sydney prescott you just can't do it no that's why she couldn't have died in the fourth one no she can have a couple teenagers she was tough in the fourth one too and one of the podcasts i was listening to they were down in sydney and uh i wasn't happy about that but they said that she was annoying and everything and i i didn't think that at all i thought she was like balls to the wall i did too I mean, she goes in that house next door without even thinking, you know, when the other girl's getting killed. Yeah, she was tough in this one. No, I, did, I liked her character in the fourth one. I didn't have any issues with it. Mm-hmm. They must be people that have issues with strong women. <laughs> <laughs> that that has to be it. And that's, that's the only explanation. <laughs> Speaking of strong women, have you heard about the new He-Man? I've read a little bit about it, but I know there are two in production right now, right? There's a live action and there's an animated. So Kevin Smith is doing an animated, and it's called He-Man Revelation. Mm-hmm. And it has a really impressive cast that, for the animation. Mark Hamill's doing Skeletor, and Tila is Buffy herself. <laughs> Sarah Michelle Gellar. Well, that would be a pretty good cast then. Yeah. So it's kind of like... I actually like Tila in the Masters of the Universe, you know, the 80s version. Mm-hmm. I actually like that movie. I know it is campy and it's cheesy, but I like it. And I think Dolph Lundgren was a really good human. <laughs> he was very convincing. Yeah, I mean, he, he had like, I don't know, you just believed it. I believed I'm like, he's He-Man. When he was likable, he was so likable in that. He really was. And after, you know, Rocky Four, right. which I guess Rocky Four was before that, right? I guess, I would think. yeah, I would think. But after that, I mean, he killed Apollo. So, I mean, you would think you would hate him, but he really made you like him. He was huge in that movie, too. Oh, yeah, he was. I mean, massive. Yeah. I was like, I liked it. And you had Courtney Cox back, you know. That's like one of her, I think it might have been her first movie role. I don't know, but yeah, I like that movie. But I'll have to check it out because I like Kevin Smith. And of course, I'll root for Sarah Michelle Gellar and anything she does. It'll be cool. Yeah, it'll be cool. So, I guess we should get into our case. All right. So, fair warning, we're going to give you a little bit of a heads up on this one. It's it, it's going to be a rough case to listen to. And, um, yeah, just buckle up because it's, I hope you make it to the end. If you don't, we understand because it is, it's a lot to hear. Um, yeah, I will say when I was doing research for this one, there were a lot of times where I was just sitting there with my mouth open like, yeah. Is this real? Like, this really didn't happen, is what I was thinking. I was like, there's no way. So it's really unbelievable that it actually even happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this is the case of Sylvia Likens. So this is known as the most terrible crime committed in Indiana. Uh, Sylvia Likens was born January 3rd, 1949, to parents Lester and Elizabeth. Elizabeth, they called her Betty. Um, She was the third of five children, 
Uh, her sister Diana, she was older, and she was actually married at the time of the murder, so she wasn't around. Mm-hmm. You know, she was a lot older than them. And she also had a uh, twin, Daniel. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, then there was Sylvia, and then there was followed by another set of twins that was Benny and Jenny that were just one year younger than Sylvia. And Jenny uh, plays a big role in this one, too. Um, but uh, Lester and Betty, they had um, they were poor, mm-hmm. you know, at the time. And they had had several business ventures that didn't work out. Uh, they were going through hard times financially. Um, Lester had had many jobs from factory work to, I think he even owned a restaurant at one time mm-hmm. that failed. But they also had a business where they would sell, like, Food, candy, drinks, stuff like that at carnivals uh, around the uh, Indiana area. And this caused the family to move a lot, mm-hmm. like in that area. But Jenny, uh, Sylvia's younger sister, she had polio and had a noticeable limp because of it. And Sylvia and Jenny were extremely close because she kind of took care of her younger sister. Well, it said that she was really protective of her because mm-hmm. of, you know, she had a, the limp. And she also had a metal brace, I think, on one of her legs. Yeah. And so it said that she was always very, very protective of her. Mm -hmm. They had moved a lot, um, but they didn't like to take the girls with them to these carnivals and stuff like that. They didn't think it was safe to have the girls. So they would take their sons with them and leave the the daughters with the grandmother. So she would watch them a lot while they were uh, off on these uh, carnival circuits. So when Sylvia was a teenager, she took up many side jobs to try to help her parents out with money. She would babysit, she would run errands for neighbors and do household chores for neighbors. Uh, She was described as a vibrant and confident girl who loved the Beatles and to go skating with Jenny. And she would actually help Jenny skate because, you know, she had uh, the limp because of polio. So she would actually help her around the skating ring, which um, you can kind of picture if you think about it, Mm -hmm. especially in the time period and everything. When Sylvia would smile, she would do so with her mouth closed because she was missing a front tooth that she got knocked out by wrestling with her brothers when she was younger. Mm-hmm. But other than that, um, they said that she was very vibrant and she was an attractive young girl mm-hmm. and um, she was well-liked and all that. Lester and Betty, they had a rocky relationship, to say the least. Um, most likely, it was due to the financial hardships that the family was under. And they had uh, temporarily separated for a while in the early summer of 1965. Mm-hmm. And uh, Betty was actually even arrested in Indianapolis for shoplifting. And at this time, he was not, um, Lester was not living with them. So Betty and um, Sylvia and Jenny were actually living together. She had the daughters. So yeah, Betty was arrested for shoplifting on July 3rd in 1965. And basically, from what I read, she was shoplifting just to help the family. Like, it wasn't anything, like, superfluous. It was right. basic items because they were so poor and they were desperate, you know, for food and clothing. Anything they could get, they didn't have the money for it. So, like you said, Best- no, Bester, <laughs> Lester <laughs> and Betty were separated at the time. But once um, Betty got arrested... Lester decided that they needed to try to work on their marriage and try to make some money. So they decide to go on a um, carnival tour of the East Coast. So they're going to open up their food cart and try to make some money that way. So the problem is they don't have anyone to leave the girls with. I've read two different accounts on where the boys went. Um, I read one account that said they stayed with the grandmother mm-hmm. and I read another account that said they took them with them to help work the carnival. Yeah. So I don't know which is actually correct, but either way, the boys were taken care of. So they needed somewhere to leave the girls. They had become acquainted with a woman named Gertrude Banaszewski. Um, the girls actually had gone to school with two of the girls, two of Gertrude's daughters. Mm-hmm. And actually, um, Sylvia was friends with one of the girls, Stephanie. Mm-hmm. They were, you know, they got along well. So they kind of knew about Gertrude, and it came to be that she offered to keep the girls while this would be Sylvia and Jenny to keep them while the family went to try to make some money. And Lester agreed to this. He would pay her $20 a week. 
for their upkeep and for their food and all that. And um, the girls would stay with her. Now, Gertrude, um, she was born Gertrude Van Fossen. And she was born on September 19th, 1928 in Indianapolis. She came from a working class family. Um, She was the third of six kids. She dropped out of high school at 16 to marry John Banaszewski. They had four children and were married for 10 years. And it was said that John had a violent temper. He would beat Gertrude. Um, So things were not good in that marriage. Um, They did divorce, actually, for a very short period of time. It was only, I think they were only divorced for a few months. But it was long enough for Gertrude to marry someone else. Mm -hmm. And so she married Edward Guthrie. They were only married three months, and then they separated. And I read that the reason they separated was because he didn't like her children. Did you read that? (laughs) Imagine that. Right? Uh, Yeah, he said that he had a huge problem with her children. Yeah, well... After you hear what happens, you'll understand that. So Gertrude goes back to John, and they remarry and have two more children. So that's six at this point that Gertrude has. Um, Gertrude and John finally split for good in 1963. And after her divorce, she meets um, a man named Dennis Wright, who was a lot younger than her. They had a really quick affair, basically, but she got pregnant and had one more child. And she had actually gotten pregnant twice. Yes, yeah, she did have a miscarriage had, as well. Yeah, yeah he was 23 and uh, I think she was 37 yeah. at the time. So yeah. that's kind of odd for that time period, I mm-hmm. think. I mean, it's not that long. Well, it is now, but, you know, it usually was the opposite. It kind of still is. Yeah. He left her not long after she gave birth to the child, I think, she named him Dennis, Dennis as well. Dennis Jr. Dennis yeah. Jr. So pretty much he left right after she had him. In July of 1965, Gertrude, she was 36 at the time. Hold on just a second. About him. Did you ever, did you find anything else about him? Just that she tried to get child support from him and he basically was like, and <laughs> yeah. that's all I read. Okay. So Gertrude was left to support herself and her now seven children. And so she had... Paula, Stephanie, John Jr., um, Marie, Shirley, and James. That's who she had with John, her first husband. Mm-hmm. And third husband. Yeah. Yeah, first and third husband. Then she had Dennis Jr. with Dennis Wright. Right. And um, she was a small woman. Gertrude was very small. She only weighed about 100 pounds. She was described as being very haggard looking. And she was underweight, and she was asthmatic because she was a chain smoker. You can tell by looking at her. Yeah, if you see the picture, she does not look like a well woman, although I can think of a lot of words to describe her. I can think of a lot of words, too. Anyhow, it said she suffered from depression because she had three failed marriages. She had had a miscarriage. Um, So she was not in a good state. But she relied on money from her first husband. I think he was a cop. Yeah. Yep. So um, he did send her money occasionally, and then she did odd jobs like sewing or cleaning to help support their family. So we're up to the point where the girls are going to be staying with Gertrude and her family. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was reported that Lester didn't really inspect the home. Uh, he didn't really know any, anything about Gertrude well, I think from what it, I heard. I think at the time, Gertrude, like nobody knew a whole lot about her. Mm-hmm. And she had been there for, you know, she had been in the area for a while. But there was no red, immediate red flags mm-hmm. about her. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe that's why he was just like, well, she's got seven kids of her own. Yeah. What's two more? Well, yeah, that's true. So the first week of boarding, it went fairly well. Sylvia and Jenny, they went to high school, so they were going to school with uh, Paula and Stephanie, who mm-hmm. were um, Gertrude's daughters. Sylvia was 16 at the time, and um, they even attended church with Gertrude on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So it was only the second week when the abuse began. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lester's $20 didn't arrive like he said it would, so that sent Gertrude like... She was well, super it pissed. actually ended up coming like a day or two yeah. late. So yeah. it wasn't like he didn't pay. It just came late. It was just late. Yeah. And she said that she watched them for nothing. So that's when the um, abuse began. 
Uh, she made both Sylvia and Jenny lie across the bed on their stomachs with all their clothes like pulled up or pulled down. So they had a skirt on and it was pulled down and then their shirt was pulled up. So they were laying naked across the bed on their stomachs. And uh, she beat them with... I, I found two sources. One said it was a belt and then, then another one said that it was um, some kind of a wooden handled paddle. I think she had both because what I read was she had a police belt that belonged to her first husband, mm-hmm. John, that yep. she used at sometimes, And she also had the paddle that yeah. she used. So I think she had both. Yeah. So this happened to both Sylvia and Jenny. Mm-hmm. And um, so later that week, Lester and Betty actually come back to town to check on the girls. And neither one of them said anything about the beatings because Gertrude had basically told them, you know, you better not say anything. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm counting on this money. This is basically how I took it anyway. I'm counting on this money, and y'all are going to do what you're told. And right. So they didn't say anything to their parents about being beaten or anything like that. And Well, and at the time, they may have just thought it was a one-time deal. Yeah, like, yeah. well, she's mad about this. Mm-hmm. She'll get over it. She got the money a couple of days later. Yeah, she's so fine now. Yeah. yeah. The following week, Sylvia and Jenny were trying to make some extra money for candy, and they were uh, collecting old Coke bottles and out of people's trash and everything in their neighborhood. And Gertrude came home and saw all the bottles and accused the two of them of stealing. Mm-hmm. And uh, when Sylvia tried to explain to her that they weren't stolen, that they had actually went around and collected them, Gertrude didn't want to hear none of that. So she once again made Sylvia lie on the bed, and she beat her again. And this is when everything kind of starts turning towards Sylvia and Mm -hmm. more away from Jenny. So Jenny still gets a little bit of the treatment that uh, Sylvia does, but nowhere near what what Sylvia goes through. It seemed like, from what I read, that basically by August, mid-August, she didn't really beat Jenny so much. Mm -hmm. It pretty much was all on Sylvia. Yeah, by that point. Jenny kind of got, you know got by with you know she didn't get the same treatment that sylvia did yeah so I, th- I don't know what made her focus on sylvia people speculated that she was jealous of sylvia because she was young and people liked her and she was pretty even though she was missing a tooth you know people thought she was really pretty well i'd heard and, that too because um gertrude's daughters were not attractive so she was jealous of them Mm -hmm. because her girls were not the same Mm -hmm. yeah so and and so those are possible motivations for why she singled sylvia out there were some that said it was because jenny had polio and she may have felt bad although i find that hard to believe she she doesn't feel bad about anything so i don't know we don't know for sure we can just speculate as to why she decided to focus all of her yeah energy on sylvia so later that same week, Paula and some of the other kids, uh, Gertrude's children, they were they went home and told her that they were disgusted with the amount of food that Sylvia was eating at a church function. This blew my mind. This mm-hmm. story did. So they go home and tell her that Sylvia like just made a glutton of herself at this church function, and that um, Gertrude like got so mad about this and said that she was trying to embarrass her and that she was going to get fat and that. Um, that, that just she was an embarrassment to her, trying to make her look bad, I guess, that thinking pe- people thinking that she's not being fed or mm-hmm. whatever. So she, along with some of her children, they force-fed Sylvia a hot dog with, like, they said it was a mountain of, like, different condiments on it. It was just packed full of all kinds of junk and um, made her eat it. And, of course, Sylvia threw it up. And then they forced her to eat what she had thrown up. yeah. I mean, that's just... I, I cannot imagine. Like, oh, my gosh. Well, and here's the thing. Gertrude has her kids doing this. And, I mean, they're as young as 10 years old, some mm-hmm. of them. So she has her kids involved in this, too. She's, you know, encouraging them to mistreat her. Mm-hmm. To I mean, and it just gets worse from here. Um, basically, Gertrude would make... Sylvia, because I think after this point, she started withholding food from her. And so she wouldn't let her eat like the other kids did. She would um, make her eat spoiled food from the trash can. Um, They would go not give her food. Like sometimes all they would give her would be like crackers. Mm Mm-hmm. And sometimes they will give her nothing. Mm -hmm. So it just, everything started to snowball. Um, Sylvia started to get beaten almost every day after school. 
and all weekend mm-hmm. she uh, went through this horrible horrible amount of abuse yeah sylvia had been talking to i can't i can't remember exactly who she was talking to she was talking to paula or one of the other kids or actually even jenny but gertrude had overheard her talking about how she was once alone with a boy mm-hmm. and um gertrude went off again like she always does and told her that she was a prostitute and that she started burning her with lit cigarettes and she threw her down the stairs of the family home into the basement which is where she ended up spending a lot of her time was basically chained up in the basement which is actually funny that she calls sylvia a prostitute because her daughter at the time was three months pregnant Mm -hmm. and like they acted like she was not pregnant they Mm -hmm. they didn't want anybody to know she was pregnant which at that time you know that was a big deal but um yeah she was just manifesting all this well she had also told her you know if she was ever alone with a boy she would definitely get pregnant um she kicked her in her genital area repeatedly she um had paula her oldest daughter participate in the beating and basically encouraged all the other kids to join in as well so i mean this is we're talking like psychological physical abuse that no one should have to endure i mean this is just really really terrible and it just gets worse Mm -hmm. well she told all the kids that sylvia was filthy because she had let a boy defile her right is basically what she told them and you know you said she had kicked her repeatedly in um in her genital region and Paul or Sylvia was so hurt by it, like physically hurt by it when she tried to sit down. Paula kicked her out of a chair and told her that she was not worthy of sitting in a chair, that she would sit on the floor. Kicked her out of the chair. I think you can definitely see the jealousy from Paula's side because they were about the same age and Paula had already, you know, gotten pregnant. So she kind of had, you know, made mistakes and she saw sylvia as competition and she saw her as you know a girl who was not doing the things she was being accused of Mm -hmm. and i think there was definitely jealousy on paula's part oh yeah and i think that's why she was one of the main um you know perpetrators of this abuse oh yeah i think that had a lot to do with it with her but the bad thing is, it wasn't just Gertrude's kids who were getting involved in this. Kids from the neighborhood would come in, and they would be encouraged to beat her as well. Gertrude would charge kids from the neighborhood five cents to come in and just look at her. That is unreal to me. Just Of course, I kind of jumped ahead a little bit. We need to discuss what happened, I guess, leading up to that. Um because Gertrude would often accuse Sylvia of things that were untrue. Mm-hmm. Um, she accused her of shoplifting, prostitution, being pregnant. Um, so basically, she, I think she was just trying to make her look bad. Like, yeah. you know, on one occasion of the beatings, um, Paula, the oldest daughter of Gertrude, beat Sylvia so hard in the face that it broke Paula's wrist. Mm-hmm. And then after she got the cast, she used the cast to beat her. So it's just, it's crazy that's, you know, the stuff that's going on here. Um, Gertrude's daughter, Stephanie, had a boyfriend at the time. And they beat Sylvia for spreading rumors that Paula and Stephanie were prostitutes. They said this was one of her only, like, acts of, like, trying to get some kind of revenge. She started a rumor at school that Paula and Stephanie were prostitutes Mm -hmm. because she was being accused of it. So she thought, well... I'll just start, say the same thing about them. So Stephanie's boyfriend found out and beat Sylvia for that as well. And this was at Gertrude's house on her, you know, encouraging him to do it. Um, and Gertrude also beat Sylvia for starting the rumor. Mm-hmm. So she got beat by the boyfriend. She got beat by Gertrude. Um, Gertrude also forced Jenny to beat Sylvia. Yeah. She threatened that if she didn't participate, that the same thing would happen to her. Right. So- and I mean, you're talking to a 15-year-old girl. That has seen her sister, you know, go through all this. She doesn't want to go through the same thing either. I mean, you can't really, you can't blame her. No. For any of it. No, there was, um, I mean, you think to yourself, okay, there's 15 and 16 years old. You're going through this. Why would you not run away? Mm-hmm. But there well, were- we had talked about this when mm-hmm. we, we were doing the research for it. And I think a lot of the reason why she didn't run was the time. The, the time period that this, you know, happened in. If this happened now, you know, 
most 16, 17 year old kids are, no, you're, you're not going to do that to me. Mm-hmm. You know, they will run, they will get help. You know, they will do what they have to do. But you're talking about the sixties in like Indianapolis in a rural area of Indianapolis. And she didn't have anywhere to go. Well, it was also a time where, you know, you never talk back to your parents. Mm-hmm. You never question authority. You mm-hmm. do what you're told. Um, you know, so that's kind of maybe played into it. What happened behind closed doors? Right. Yeah. yeah. It's nobody's business. Right. And also, you know, they came from a very poor family, so they were not used to having help from anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, they may not have trusted adults mm-hmm. so much. They may not have known where to go for help. But, um, you know, it's, it's sad. It's, it's sad. sad. I mean, it's just like, how do you... I don't know. You never know what is happening to somebody, mm-hmm. you know? The sad part in this story is, though, people could have interjected at times but we'll get to that in a little bit so um there was a neighbor boy named coy hubbard and he was one that was regularly involved in the beatings of sylvia um he would come over and gertrude would encourage him to beat her they said that um they had burned her with cigarettes over a hundred times um she had they had severely injured her genital area they had um she had lacerations almost over her entire body um gertrude would make sylvia strip naked in front of these kids and just do really horrible heinous things um just so the other kids could laugh at her and humiliate her even more and if you read what i don't know that i want to go into so much what it was but it's disgusting yeah yeah um, like I said, she was often kept naked and unfed in the basement. And like Mandy said, she was brought upstairs pretty much for the enjoyment of Gertrude and these kids, these teenage boys. And it was a boys and girls mix, you know, these teenagers. And it, there's a movie that um, came out about this. It's called An American Crime. And it's it's a good movie. Um, it had a really good cast, but they go into some of the things that she had to do when she was brought upstairs for their enjoyment and everything. And I don't know that we should actually say what that was because it, you can figure that out for yourself <laughs> with the research. Because we'll, well, well, she was. Ba- it, it ties into her calling Sylvia a whore and mm-hmm. a prostitute, yeah. and basically saying, proving this is what your sister. Because she was telling Jenny a lot of times, this is what your sister does. Yeah, and the other kids would just laugh and humiliate her. Yeah. It was just, it's really, really bad. And this was done on multiple occasions. Right. It wasn't just a one-time thing. And actually, um, Gertrude, ha- it got to a point where Gertrude did not allow sylvia to go to school anymore Mm -hmm. so um what had happened sylvia stole a gym suit from school because she had no clothes and so gertrude was like okay well you're not going back to school ever again so from that point on it just became a lot okay this is where she really starts like chaining her in the basement and everything Mm -hmm. like that um so Gertrude's daughter Stephanie actually did come to Sylvia's defense on some occasions. Um, one was where um, Gertrude had beat Sylvia for the gym suit issue, and she also started calling Sylvia a whore at the same time. Basically, she was beating her really bad, and Sylvia actually came in and said, This stuff's not true. She doesn't do this. It didn't matter, though. Gertrude still beat her, and she burned her fingertips with matches for stealing. That was her punishment for stealing. So it was it was rough, very rough. Um, Jenny did get beat around this time as well once because she stole one shoe for her strong foot. And when you think about that, she stole one shoe. Like she didn't even take, but she didn't take the one she didn't need. Yeah. So Gertrude was getting money for the girls, obviously not spending it on them. The girls had no clothes they had no shoes um Mm -hmm. so this is what they were resorting to they had no choice and these are teenage girls you you just your heart breaks for them Mm -hmm. because i mean they have no choices in this situation um the girls actually would see their older sister diana on occasion um on one instance um sylvia saw diana in a park and she told her sister that she was hungry and her sister actually got her a sandwich. And when the girls got home, the other kids had told Gertrude that Sylvia told her older sister that she was hungry. 
And Sylvia, um, excuse me, Gertrude put Sylvia into a scalding hot bath to wash away her sin of gluttony. Like scalding hot water. Mm. The water was so hot that Sylvia fainted, but Gertrude banged her head against the wall to wake her up. She's a monster. Oh, my gosh. She's such a monster. So the girls were also afraid to tell their parents what was going on because they didn't necessarily think their parents would believe them. And they thought that the abuse would just get worse. So this is why, you know, they're not telling people what's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, They really feel like they just have no help. They don't know what to do. Well, and by this point, she was so malnourished that uh, she was incontinent. Mm -hmm. And they would make her eat her own feces at this point. I mean, I just can't, I can't get over the amount of abuse that is in this case. But uh, talking about Diana, uh, Jenny was actually able to uh, get a letter out to Diana and uh, tell her about the abuse. But Diana thought that she was just making up stories because she didn't like living there Mm -hmm. and that she wanted to come live with her. But um, I guess uh, not long after she made contact with her, uh, Diana got to thinking about it. And she went actually went to Gertrude's house to check on them. Mm -hmm. And Gertrude would not let her in the house. And she thought that something was up then. And so she contacted CPS to do a wellness check because she said something's going on there that, you know, my sisters are saying they're abused and all this stuff. So CPS actually sent a social worker to the house to investigate Diana's claims. And uh, when the social worker went to the house, Gertrude told them that Sylvia had run away with some boys. Mm-hmm. And um, she had told, Gertrude had told Jenny that she better lie to him too, or, you know, she would be severely punished like Sylvia's been. So uh, Jenny told the social worker too that, you know, Sylvia had run away and that... Um, there was really nothing there for them to look for. They didn't really do an investigation no, they, into it. They took Gertrude's word yeah. and just basically that was it. Yeah. So, so social worker left and I believe um, what she actually wrote on the, uh, the file was there's no need to go back to their house. Yeah. That she has run away and she's a runaway. Right. No need to investigate. Well, a neighbor also reported to the school that he had seen Sylvia with open sores all over her body. And this is probably from the cigarette burns. Mm-hmm. Um, and it could be from the beatings, too. Um, the school nurse called Gertrude to check on Sylvia because this is after Sylvia had was not allowed to go to school anymore. Right. And um, Gertrude told the nurse that Sylvia had ran away and that the sores were from Sylvia's bad hygiene. That she couldn't get her to take a bath, and that's why she had sores on her body. Oh I mean, that's kind of suspicious. I I don't know. And then other neighbors had also seen Sylvia with black eyes and looking like a zombie. Um, Gertrude even told them about abusing Sylvia, but they didn't report it. That's So, I mean, there were people who knew something was going on, and you feel like the system totally failed this girl. Mm-hmm. And... You know, the people who did know what was going on and never said a word, they are almost as guilty in my book as the people actually doing it. Because how do you know a young girl is being beaten and abused and you don't say a word? Mm -hmm. But that is something else that will come out of this, actually. But um, the abuse Sylvia endured became so violent that she had become incontinent, like we had talked about. Um, But Gertrude wouldn't allow her to use the bathroom. She would make her pee on herself. And because of the incontinence, that's when Sylvia was taken to the basement and tied up. Um, she was kept naked most of the time, rarely fed, frequently deprived of water. Um, she would sometimes be tied to the basement stairs railing so that her feet barely touched the floor. Mm-hmm. So she was almost hanging there. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just terrible. Um, she would the, she would have the neighborhood kids come in and they would um, ha- she would have them help her tie Sylvia up. They would put her in the scalding water and then rub salt into her wounds. Um, It's just awful. Um, Gertrude and her son John, and I think he was 12 at the time, Mm -hmm. um, they would rub urine and feces from Gertrude's youngest son's diapers on Sylvia's mouth and tell her that's all she was going to get to eat. Dear Lord. Gertrude eventually did allow Sylvia to sleep upstairs. But because she was so severely malnourished and dehydrated, she had asked her sister Jenny for some water. And, of course, Jenny got it for her. Due to her incontinence, she wet the bed. Gertrude forced Sylvia at that time to 
do another act that we're not going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the same thing. So you can look that up if you're if you want to know. It's terrible. Um, and this is when she started carving. I'm a prostitute and proud of it into her abdomen. So Sylvia had taken a hot needle and started carving. I'm a prostitute and proud of it into Sylvia's abdomen. She couldn't finish the carving. So she had one of the neighborhood kids whose name was Richard Hobbs to finish it. They also branded her with an S, but it was actually a backwards three. And I didn't actually read what that was for. I don't know if it was supposed to be slut or what. I don't know. But, um, and that night after the branding, Sylvia told her sister, she said, Jenny, I know you don't want me to die, but I'm going to die. I can tell it. I can't imagine. I, I just can't imagine I mean, that. she's 16 years old mm-hmm. and haven't gone through all this. It's just, it's heartbreaking. Well, she's basically telling her she better get out and get help. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to go into that, but it does make you question like, well, I guess I am going into it if I'm talking about it. But it makes you, it does make you wonder, like, it, we're sisters. Mm-hmm. And if we were in this situation and you looked at me and said, you know, I know I'm going to die. I almost, how could you not do something mm-hmm. to, and I know she was a scared kid too. So I'm not blaming, I'm not blaming her at all. But it's like, I think, like you said, it maybe it's just where it was a different time and kids were thought, you know, you're to be seen and not heard, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And they didn't think people would believe them. It's just. That's the thing. It's a sign of the times. Like, it's a completely different time back then. Like, because the way we would think about it now, like, we wouldn't let that happen to each other. Mm-hmm. But in the 1960s, a girl really didn't have too much of a voice anyway, even, you know, compared to the boys at that time. Right. You know, girls were not believed when things were said, and, you know, it was always the girl's fault. She was always the whore. She was the slut. You know, the boy was never, you know, there was never any consequences for a boy doing anything. Right. And so a, a girl, especially a young girl who's see, who's been abused herself and is seeing abuse and everything like that, she has no idea what to do. Right. So, I mean... You, and she had tried to tell the older sister. Yeah, she had tried. So, I mean, I, I can't really fault her for not... No, I don't either. I yeah. just... It just makes you... I guess you kind of... You want this story to turn out differently. Yeah. So, you're like, just go get... Just run and get yeah, yeah. It's, it's just terrible. Yeah. But um, the day after the branding happened, Gertrude forced Sylvia to write a letter to her parents telling them that she was running away. And um, the reason she was running away is because she had been raped by some neighborhood boys and they had beaten her and mutilated her body. And she was going, she was going to leave. So actually what Gertrude was planning was to use that letter and she was going to tie Sylvia's body up and just leave her in the woods to die. Yeah, her and John Jr. Yeah. That was their plan. Yeah. So um, on October 25th, Sylvia actually overheard Gertrude talking about this plan and she tried to escape. But she was so emaciated and malnourished, she had no energy to put up any kind of a fight. And she was caught trying to go out the front door. Um, Coy Hubbard, one of the neighborhood kids, struck Sylvia so hard with a curtain rod in the face, and she was taken back to the basement and tied up. So October 26th, um, Sylvia had been brought back up to the kitchen, and she lost control of her bowels. Um, Gertrude ordered her to clean herself, but she just she didn't have the energy to she couldn't do it. Um, so she was taken back to the basement and hosed off by Gertrude's son John. Um, Gertrude's daughter Stephanie and a neighbor kid decided to give Sylvia a bath and put clothes on her. They came downstairs. She was beaten so bad and basically barely living at this point. Um, so they felt bad for her and they took her upstairs. They gave her an actual bath, not what she had been used to with the scalding water. Um, and they put clothes on her and they took her and laid her in a bed upstairs and it was said that Sylvia said she wished her daddy was there and she wanted to go home. That'll break your heart. I know. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, it's awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, it's tough to hear. Um, also, during that escape attempt... I read, too, that Gertrude had actually stomped on her head. Yeah, I did, too. I actually meant to put that in my notes, and I mm-hmm. forgot. But, yeah, they had cleaned her up, and, um, like we said, she she, had, 
she wanted her daddy. That was like what she wanted in that moment. And uh, so Stephanie noticed that Sylvia had actually stopped breathing and she yelled for everyone in the house to come up there. And Gertrude uh, repeatedly kept yelling at Sylvia, calling her a liar and a faker, saying she was faking her own death. And um, But turns out Sylvia had actually succumbed to all the injuries. Um, Richard Hobbs was uh, one of the boys that was there who had participated in, you know, her torture. And he actually uh, called the police. And they arrived, and Gertrude told them that she had been caring for Sylvia after um, she had arrived home beaten by several boys. And, and that um, all the kids in the house and everything had threatened Jenny not to say anything, but she told one of the officers that um, if he got her out of there that she would tell him everything. Right. So after talking with Jenny, the police arrested Gertrude, Paula, Stephanie, John Jr., neighbors Coy, Coy Hubbard and Richard Hobbs. Uh, Gertrude at first denied any involvement and blamed everything on Paula and Coy. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, she, she hung her daughter out to drive, basically, uh, saying that she had no part of it, that it was all Paula. She's the one who had... Because, uh, I mean, they could tell by looking at her that this was not just something that happened just immediately. Right. I mean, this had gone on for months, because, I mean, we're talking about from July to October, near the end of October, too. There were five other neighborhood kids who were arrested as well. Uh, Michael Monroe, Randy Lepper, Darlene McGuire, Judy Duke, and uh, Anna Cisco, I believe is how you say that. So, I mean, the amount, we talked about this too, the amount of kids that participated in this, these teenagers that participate participated in this, is baffling. It like, is. Like, that you can find that many kids in, like, a small area that are willing to do that to somebody. Right. Um, that that just amazed me. Well, I read a, a quote, and I can't remember if it was by a prosecutor or by a cop, that said, I think it was the prosecutor, that said, this is not an issue, though, of kids gone wild. This is an issue of kids doing what they were told to do. Yeah. So it wasn't, had these kids not been told to do this, they never would have done they it. They probably never would have done it. But, um, well, those that I just mentioned, they were actually released back to the custody of their parents in exchange for their testimony at trial. So during the autopsy, uh, that was pretty rough. Um, they discovered that there were more than 150 wounds and that Sylvia was extremely emaciated. It says she had burns, severe bruising, extensive muscle and nerve damage. Her vaginal cavity was almost swollen shut. Although the examination determined that her hymen was still intact. So this makes Gertrude's claims that she was a whore and a prostitute. Un, you know, un, they were unfounded anyway, but it confirmed it wasn't true. Um, they said that um, her fingernails were broken backwards. Mm-hmm. And most of the external layers of her skin, like on her face, her breast, neck, and right knee, had peeled or receded. Um she had, they don't know if she did this because she was so hungry or if it was when she was, you know, getting ready to die. She had bitten through her lips. Um, so it's the several sections of her lips were actually severed from her face. The official cause of death was listed as a subdural hematoma due to her receiving a severe blow to her right temple. And so, but the amount of, um, damage her body had taken she also had gone into shock the severe malnutrition were also contributory factors to her death basically she was just completely beaten from head to toe yeah well they said that rigor mortis had fully developed by the time that the police got there and discovered her so she had been dead for possibly up to eight hours before uh, police was notified they said, though, also because of the state of her body, the malnutrition and all that, that rigor mortis actually could have been sped up because of that. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, they don't They don't think they immediately called the police, but it's possible it wasn't as long as they said because of the condition of her body. There was no real investigation on this because Jenny had told them everything that happened. The neighborhood kids corroborated her story. Um, so basically, they knew... 
pretty much what had happened. Mm -hmm. They actually tried Gertrude and the kids all together. Um, And the trial only lasted 17 days. And on May 19, 1966, after deliberating for eight hours, um, the jury found Gertrude guilty of first-degree murder and recommended a sentence of life in prison. Paula was found guilty of second-degree murder. Um, Coy Hobbs, um, Richard Hubbard. Did I say those backwards? I think I did. Sorry. Coy Hubbard and Richard Hobbs. Yes, sorry about that. And John Banaszewski Jr. were all found guilty of manslaughter. Basically, after the judge pronounced the verdicts, they all cried and hugged each other. That was Gertrude and her children. The two children that were not her, well, I shouldn't really call them children. They were close to adulthood. The Hobbs and Hubbard, they basically acted like they were not phased by this. So, um, on May 25th, Gertrude and Paula were formally sentenced to life in jail and Richard Hobbs and Coy Hubbard and John Benichewski, I want I always want to say Benichewski, Benazuski each received sentences of 2 to 21 years and as it turns out none of them really served what they deserved um in September of 1970, the Supreme Court in Indiana reversed the convictions of Paula and Gertrude on the basis that the judge had denied repeatedly submitted motions by their defense counsel at their original trial for a change of venue and for them to have separate trials. Um, the ruling also said that there were prejudicial, there was a prejudicial atmosphere during the first trial and the media attention. So neither one of them got a fair trial. Mm-hmm. They were retried in 1971, but Paula decided instead of going through the trial again, that she would plead guilty to voluntary manslaughter. And she was sentenced to two to 20 years for her. That's a big difference. Yeah. For her part in this. And she also tried to escape from prison twice in 1971 despite that she was released in december of 1972 so she is one of the main perpetrators of this Uh, everyone agreed to that and she spent less than two years in prison it's crazy like i don't understand that on Gertrude's retrial... Well, why, why was there not any repercussions for either? I mean... Trying to escape trying from Trying to jail. escape from prison twice. Yeah. And then she I, gets out a year later? I think her age was taken into consideration and all that. Um, and I think they considered Gertrude the catalyst behind all of this. But I still think, you know, Paula was 17. Yeah. So she was right there, yeah. you know, at the magic age of 18. I think it's kind of stupid, honestly, that... It, like a magic light switch just flips when you turn 18. Yeah. Like your thinking is not much different when you're 17 than when you're 18. No, that's true. I think yeah. that's dumb that, you know, a few months can make such a difference. Mm-hmm. But that's just my opinion. Um, Gertrude was convicted again on her retrial of first degree murder and sentenced to life in prison. Um, over the course of her prison sentence, Gertrude actually was a good prisoner she worked in prison sewing shops. She was known as a den mother to the younger female inmates. Um, and they would actually call her mom. Kind of makes ironic. you sick to your stomach. I'm sorry, but it does. And then in 1985, Gertrude was up for parole. Um, there was a lot of um, media attention around this. And people were actually so enraged that she may get parole that they started a petition that had over 40,000 signatures to deny her parole. But regardless, on December 4th, 1985, Gar- she was rele- released from prison. She was paroled. So so she claims to have um, become a devout Christian while she right. was in uh, prison and all that. And we talked about this as well. So she stated that her wish, her wish was that Lycan's death could be undone. Although she minimized her responsibility of her actions, stating, I'm not sure what role I had in Lincoln's death because I was on drugs. Right. And I'm going to say this. This is my I'm, opinion. And I never really knew her. I take full, responsi- full responsibility of what happened to Sylvia. 
No, you don't. No, you don't. If you're saying, I, I, I don't know what my role is, and I never really knew her. She lived with you for three months, and you don't know what your responsibility or your role was. Number one, it was to protect her. Mm-hmm. That is your first role. And I'm sorry, but if you have a religious conversion, the only way you're going to get forgiveness for something is if you admit to what you've done. Uh-huh. You can't say, well, I didn't do this, but now I'm a Christian, so it's all good. Yeah. That really irritates me. Yeah. You know, being a person of faith that I am, you cannot be forgiven for sins that you don't admit that you committed. That you don't acknowledge. Yeah. So I have, you know, it's not for me to judge, but I just, you know... I just have a lot of hesitation about believing her conversion. I hope it's true, but, you know, a real Christian would come out and say, yeah, I did this, and it was terrible, and I deserve punishment for it. And Mm -hmm. actually, I shouldn't even be out of jail right now. Mm -hmm. You know, they wouldn't say, well, I don't know know, what my role is because I was on drugs. Yeah. I'm sorry, but I don't buy it. (laughs) That's just my opinion. No. Not my place. You knew enough to try to hide, like... Her not being there, you're trying to say that she ran away. Well, she had her write a note. Right, no, she knew fully well. I don't care what kind of drug she was on. She, if she, I know she had an alcohol problem, I think. But, um, no, she was fully aware of what she was doing to that girl. And, no, it's just, it, it's a bad name. Well, it was premeditated. Mm-hmm. She had her write the note so that they yeah. would think she ran away. Yeah. And then they were going to find her body in the woods and think she had been beaten and raped by kids. And that she ran away and died. Mm-hmm. So, no. I mean, she deserved... Honestly, this is a perfect case for the death penalty. Absolutely. I I, yep. I would I would have no issues with that at all. Mm-hmm. She did this to a child. A helpless child. Yep. So, yeah. This is one... I'd have no issues with it. Um, that's my opinion. Yeah. But, um, so Jenny, her sister, um, she stayed in Indiana... She was heavily traumatized, though, for the rest of her life. She was on anti-anxiety medication, for like heavy anti-anxiety medication for the rest of her life. Um, she actually died of a heart attack on um, June 23, 2004. She was 54 at the time. One bright or silver lining out of this is at least Gertrude did not get to live out of prison very long. Mm-hmm. Um, you can Five li- years, I think. Yeah, she died on June 16, 1990, at the age of 61. So she was out about five years. So you may say, well, at least she didn't get to, you know, have a long life. But we were talking about this, too. Everyone that was involved in this kind of met a similar fate. Like, once they were out, they didn't live they long. They died young, most but of them. But I did want to point this out. So Gertrude served 20 years for this. Everybody else served two years or less for... For the most terrible crime in Indiana history. Right. But, like I said, you can kind of look at it. None of them had a prosperous life. Paula actually changed her name and moved to, was it Florida? I want to yeah. say it's Florida. I believe so. Sorry. Iowa. So, anyhow. Paula changed. She, she's in Florida now. Oh, okay. That's or, what, or, I knew. I, she, yeah. I knew I remembered something about Florida. So, anyhow, she changed her name. She moved. And she got a job in a school system. But she lied, like she didn't admit what she had, you know, her past. And so when, was it when the movie came out that there was some media attention around this and they found that this was who this was? Mm -hmm. And so she ended up losing her job. So here you have Paula in the school teaching or, you know, mentoring children. Yeah. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. But um, anyhow, so she did lose her job. So in June of 2001, a six-foot-tall granite memorial was formally dedicated to Sylvia Likens' life and legacy in Willard Park, which is on Washington Street um, in Indianapolis. This dedication was attended by several hundred people, including members of the Likens family. As a result of what all Sylvia went through in her death, um, Indiana actually adopted a mandated reporter law. And basically the law states that should a member of the public suspect a child is suffering abuse or neglect, the citizen suspecting this abuse has a legal obligation to report the abuse to the authorities. So this is actually different than some other mandated Mm -hmm. reporter laws because a lot of states have them 
where you know teachers, doctors, you know those kinds of professions are mandated reporters. But this is saying every citizen is a mandated reporter. I like that. Actually. I do too. I think it's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's basically, and we'll talk about this too a little bit. You know, we live in an era of if you see something, say something. Back mm-hmm. then, you know, like you said, people were more, you keep to yourself. What happens behind closed doors is no one's business. But we see that it, this is a perfect example of. You know, if you suspect something's going on, I know no one wants to point a finger at something that's not happening, but in this case, how could it not be? Like, kids don't just have sores all over their bodies. They don't constantly have black eyes. I mean, you know... They don't look like zombies. Right. I mean, so I think that no one wants to make false allegations, but... If you suspect something like this is happening mm-hmm. and you don't say something and then you f- this happens, I mean, how bad would you feel? I mean, yeah. I would rather err on the side of caution and have it checked out and be like, well, there's nothing there. Of course, even if they check it out, sometimes you don't know if yeah. they'll actually do an investigation. Right. But I do think it's a good idea to make people feel like they have the power to you know report it Mm -hmm. that you know this is what you need to do if you see something say something Mm -hmm. so also um as a result of her death there is the um sylvia likens child advocacy center um that was started to help remember sylvia's story and to help protect victims of child abuse yeah so you know there have been positive things to come from it and that's the only thing I guess you can hold on to with something this terrible is, you know, maybe it helps someone else. Yeah. And I'm sure it has. So that may be the best thing you can look at from this, that, you know, maybe she saved lives. Yeah. Because like we said, in, in doing these cases that we've done, there are some that just stick with you, that you carry with you from day to day when you're doing the research for it. And this was one of them. And it's just... You know, it's very emotional reading through it and, you know, just seeing pictures of Sylvia and then seeing pictures of Gertrude and her family. And you you just can't, reading it can't do, I mean, can't really put you there Mm -mm. to the horrific conditions that she was living in and just what she went through and everything just gives you a little sample of it. Right. And I will say, if you want to know what Gertrude looked like, if you've ever seen the movie Mommy Dearest, Mm -hmm. that's what she looked like. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Terrifying, like, you know, just... I don't, and that's another thing, you know, you can't judge a book by its cover, but in this oh, you case, can. you can on, I think, you know, she just looked like a monster. She did look like a monster. And I just, I hit, I again, I'm not blaming the parents, but if I looked at this person, I would be like, no, mm-hmm. <laughs> my children are not staying with you, mm-hmm. you know? And I know they were desperate and they were well, in a hard situation. She was, she was giving off, you know, that she was... She had all these kids, and these kids they were went going to church, to church yeah. and, you know, the kids were doing well in school and all this stuff, and that she was able to support them, this single mother doing this, you know, in the 1960s, you know, how right. progressive of a woman was she? Um, and what's really weird about this, we kind of talked about this, too, is there was no abuse reported by any of the other kids. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like she did purposely do this to Sylvia. Mm-hmm. Like, none of the other kids reported that she abused them. I saw a quote by, I don't know if it was a lawyer that was involved in the case or one that has done a study on it since then, but he said that she was just a miserable woman. That she had a miserable life, and it was all about jealousy. Oh, you know, and then it, that's probably the truth. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you think about it, because, I mean, she didn't have a good life. She never had a good life. Mm-mm. Gertrude didn't. She did have a miserable life. Yeah. So, I mean, that part at least, you know, is true. Right. Honestly, I think this is the worst story I've ever read. Like, yeah. when I was going through, I just, it broke my heart. I mean, and it made me cry. It just, it's, it's awful. Yeah. And I thought it was important to talk about it, though, because, you know, we do want people you know to speak up and you do want people to know that stuff like this has happened Mm -hmm. you need to step in if Mm -hmm. something is happening say you could potentially save a kid's life i just it's it's heartbreaking that it takes stuff like this to make people become aware yeah but so that is the story of sylvia likens yep 
And that was our uh, 10th episode. Right. So we hit a milestone, number 10. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd like to thank everyone who has listened or sent us comments or um, given us story ideas or episode ideas. So we really appreciate any support that you've given. Yeah, we have a good time doing this, and we've learned a lot doing this, and I think we've gotten better. If you go back and listen to the first episode, I think we're getting better as time goes on. Mm-hmm. And uh, we really do appreciate you sticking with us, listening to us, you know, with each episode. And we do encourage you to interact with us on social media. Um, send us your stories. Send us um, case ideas or just say hi. Yeah, I think we decided to... We're going to um, do a survivor story very soon. We had a um, recommendation from Lee, our book club Lee. Book club Lee. Because we were talking about how you know, sometimes the stories are just so depressing and like we kind of feel like we get bogged down and you mm-hmm. know it just stays with you. It's hard to shake and you know it's a good idea. Yeah, we'll do we'll do yeah. some survivor stories and that'll you know be more uplifting. I think. Yeah. So if you're out there and you have a survivor story you want to send to us. Um, we, we'd love to hear it, and uh, with your permission, like to, you know, bring it on one of the episodes, but, you know, you can re- remain anonymous if you want to, but, you know, we'd like to hear that, so you can uh, find us at onemurderatatime.com. You can email us from there, and um guess we'll see you next time. All right. Thanks for listening. Later. Doses.